Hey, I'm Lauren Grush. And I'm Alessandra Potanza de Verge. Between 2015 and 2016, Scott Kelly spent 340 days on the International Space Station. At the same time, his genetically identical twin brother Mark, a former astronaut himself, stayed on Earth as a control subject. Before, during, and after Scott's trip, the brothers gave NASA numerous biological samples, blood, saliva, poop, you name it. By comparing Scott's samples with Mark's, NASA's trying to understand what long-term space travel does to our bodies. And that's going to be important info to have if we want to travel to Mars someday. We're still waiting for the bulk of the results, but we might not see them for another year or two. But while we wait, we spoke on the phone with Mark and Scott to talk about the twin study, whether that flight to Mars or the moon next, and what it feels like to be guinea pigs in the name of science. So I was doing an interview a while back with one of the researchers for the twin study, and she mentioned that you guys actually approached NASA with the idea of doing these twin studies. So I'm curious if that's true and what sparked the idea. When I was assigned to this year-long mission, I had a briefing with the scientists to prepare for the press release and the press conference about sending two guys into space for a year. And during that briefing, I asked them if meaning the scientists, if anyone had any interest in doing any kind of comparative studies on Mark and I, considering, you know, he's a was also an astronaut and they had a lot of data for on him for a really long time, they uh, kind of went back uh, over the next couple of weeks and talked about it and decided that there was, in fact, an interest and asked us if we would uh, be participants. And Mark, what did you think when he suggested that idea? You know, after talking to NASA about this and... You know, Scott came to me and said, would you, uh, you know, be willing to do this? You know, I think, you know, the science that NASA does is incredibly important. And, you know, I'm so appreciative of everything that NASA's done for me, you know, and allowing me to be, you know, part of the space program for 15 years. So I was said, absolutely, you know, I'll do what, whatever they'd like. They don't even have to pay me, even though I didn't work there. And I told NASA, they don't have to pay me. And then they came back a little bit later and they said, well, it turns out we actually have to pay you. Well, but I got paid minimum wage. So <laughs> minimum minimum wage? I don't get paid anything. Yeah, I still do get like ten fifty an hour or whatever that is, whenever I do one of those NASA experiments. Wow. How much work do you guys still do for the twin study now that you're almost one year from landing? Well, for me, Scott, I have uh, my one-year medical tests. We have an annual physical every year, but part of this will be data collection for the twin study. I'm not really sure how much of it. It's probably like a full day's worth of stuff. And then I think I have another one at like, you know, a year and a half. And then it kind of, I think after that, it gets more and more uh, irregular and then it's spread out longer. But, you know, most astronauts are part of this a study, a different study called the Longitude Study of Astronaut Health that just tracks our all throughout the course of our lives um, to try to get an understanding of, you know, the effects on spaceflight on us from a, you know, long-term perspective, but also try to understand just, you know, a group of people that have pretty good health care and then are monitored closely, what, how does that change things? And now that some of the preliminary results are coming in, were you guys surprised at some of the genetic changes that you've been finding? Well, yeah, I was really surprised. Mark. Go ahead. That was Scott. I was going to say that the the big surprising thing was, you know, his his telomeres got longer while in space, and that's kind of the opposite of what they thought, you know, would happen. The presumption was that in the radiation, it's a lot of radiation in space, and the stress of being on the space station, that you know, those things would result in, you know, shortening of 
is telomeres, it's like the structure on your on your genes that's indicative of how old you are. But the opposite happened. And, you know, there were some people out there in the media that were speculating that maybe NASA discovered the fountain of youth, which is going into space, which is not true. And it's, you know, that's wild speculation. But, you know, I think the, the interesting thing is, you know, here's an experiment that, you know, the scientists have their hypothesis and the opposite. They wound up with the opposite result. Now, isn't it true that technically Scott got a little bit younger, right, because of time dilation? Maybe not because of the telomeres, but something like a couple milliseconds or, or something like that. Yeah, like yes. three milliseconds. No, no, I actually, Scott, I actually think if you add up your 520 days, because I did this, I saw what, what people say is, the, you know, per day at 17,500 miles an hour, I think where I used to be six minutes older, I think I am now... If you did the math correctly, it's six minutes and 13, it's actually 13 milliseconds. Scott, I remember the last time we met on The Intrepid, you just basically like came back and your feet were still hurting a little bit. Are you still feeling different at all physically? Not, no, not as a result of the mission. I'm pretty much back to how I was before. Also, there was another change that the results showed about your gut bacteria and how it was different in space. Did that manifest in any crazy ways while you were on the station? You know, it's interesting that our microbiome consists of all these cells in us that aren't us, and there's actually more of them than there are our own human cells. And, you know, your microbiome is affected by a lot of things. It's affected by what you eat. It's affected by where you live, your environment. You know, it's interesting that Mark and I, our microbiomes, but they're very different. I guess my point is our microbiome is is affected by our environment. And the, you know, the space environment is a, you know, an extreme environment. It's a unique environment. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, they saw changes while I was in space. And both of you have been a lot in the spotlight with the twin study. A lot of people have been talking about you. I mean, how does it feel to be guinea pigs? This is Scott, you know, it's, as an astronaut from day one, when you uh, agree to take that job, you're also agreeing to be a human subject. So it's something that we've been used to, you know, for the last 20 years. You know, I just think it's part of the responsibility of, you know, when you're in this very unique position, to, to participate in these studies and be a human subject. So it doesn't really, it's not even something I think about, actually. Well, then they they also, you know, try to make sure that we don't, they don't do anything really stupid. I mean, it's not like, you know, the mice that I carried on my first space flight or, you know, the mice that, uh, and rodents that my brother dealt with in space. You know, they've, they've got, as subjects for science experiments, they've got uh, a much more difficult job uh, <laughs> than we do. The, out, the outcome is much better for us at least in the short term. Now, I know there's a protocol that when you get the results from the twin study, they're supposed to share it with you beforehand before the public sees it. What is that process like, and do you guys have veto power if you don't want something shared? Yeah, they generally will send us the research paper and ask us, you know, and sometimes like preliminary material, and ask us how we feel about it because, you know, it is our medical data and it is protected under the law. You know, so far we haven't, you know, declined release on anything in any of these studies. And I think as um, you know, time goes on and we, we see how the process works, you know, I, I anticipate that, you know, there's not going to be much stuff that we would not want people to see. What kind of follow-ups to the twin study would you like to see from NASA? Well, I'd like them to allow me to go back into space for just like a couple of weeks. I'd like to follow up 
would be for them to send Mark to that new solar system we discovered. I'm just kidding, obviously. It's 40 light years away. Is that what I saw? Today? Yeah, uh, a little less. How long do you think it would take to get there? How long do you think it would get there at the speed that we could travel at to go 40 light years? Well, what's the deal? Voyager 1 is still like 0.05% from Alpha Centauri, which is four light years away. Exactly. That's good. So you should be able to figure this out. <laughs> Give me a number. I'm going to guess 200,000 years. No, more like 800,000 years. Ah, okay. You get there at 35,000 35, miles an hour, it would take about 800,000 years. Oh, gosh. We could have multiple generations later get there. That's what I, multiple, exactly what I said. We could have all the generations of humans. The people that go there, if you did that, right, you'd get on this spaceship and when you got off 800,000 years later, it'd be a new species. <laughs> yeah, we would be the aliens once we got there. We wouldn't even recognize the, our, our descendants that got on. Well, speaking of traveling through space, Scott, you said that being in space changed you and gave you a better appreciation for our planet. Mark, does that resonate with you? And I guess for both of you, how did you guys feel you changed when you were in space? You know, well, for me, you know, just looking down at the Earth for, uh, you know, a, a long period of time and, you know, not just on this mission, but you know, between my first mission in 1999 and then my last, which I landed in 2016, you see some significant changes on the Earth, you know, especially, you know, the rainforest in South America, you know, it's just really heartbreaking to see how they've been decimated. You know, pollution that is uh, almost constantly over certain parts of, of our planet, you know, the fragility of the atmosphere that you notice. But also in space, you do have this, you know, this orbital perspective where you feel detached from all, you know, all the people and everything that inhabits the planet while you're in space, especially for long periods of time. And the news we get from Earth is, you know, by and large, it's all bad stuff. You know, it's mostly bad news. And when you look out the window and you consider how lucky we are to have this planet that, uh, you know, is until recently, we figured it was pretty unique in the uh, in the universe. You think like, you know, we should take better care of it. We should take care better care of each other. You know, it's, uh, you know, we be, need to be better teammates on, you know, our shared spaceship that we're flying around the universe in Spaceship Earth. What do you guys miss the most about being in space and what don't you miss? Uh, this is Scott. I miss the uh, work, you know, the technical challenge of it. I miss the uh, the teamwork, uh, working on something that is, you know, technically challenging and doing it with a group of highly, you know, professional and, you know, inspiring people, both your crewmates and the folks on the ground, doing something you believe is important. I miss that a lot more than, you know, floating around in zero G and looking at the uh, the sights out the window. Yeah, I'd have to say, you know, you know, having a mission and trying to do something really complicated and being successful at it is very rewarding. So, you know, I really miss, you know, that part of, you know, trying to do a really good job. Now, you both talk so fondly about your time in space. And I know, Scott, you've mentioned not closing the book on that. Are you both interested in making a trip with maybe a private company in the future? So I have a company called Worldview which part of our business is space tourism, but with a helium balloon to the edge of space. And I'm excited about, you know, the fact that other people are going to get to have these kinds of experiences, whether it's with us or launching with Virgin Galactic or Blue Origins in a rocket ship. Yeah, I think it's a great thing, you know, for a country for a lot of different reasons. Scott, do you want to add anything to that? You know, under the, the right circumstances, I'd be, uh, you know, all for it. 
you know, we will get there someday where people are are flying into space, you know, for different reasons, some of which is is for pleasure. And uh, we have a little bit of that now, of course, but I'm talking on a much bigger scale. So, yeah, under the right circumstances, I would go. I'd never rule out flying, never flying in space again. That's definitely something that would interest me. And what's the life of a retired astronaut for both of you? You know, I'm busier now than I think I've ever been in my life. I'm trying to write several books and uh, doing some uh, public speaking that, uh, you know, takes uh, a lot of my time. And, you know, and starting out on this new part of my life after getting back from space, being there for a year has, uh, you know, definitely been a challenge, but it's, uh, you know, it was a welcome challenge and I'm enjoying it. I was on the road about 80% of last year and probably the year before that as well. I'm, you know, I serve on a few boards. I've, uh, you know, got this company I'm co-founder of in Tucson, public speaking, you know, some book project stuff. And so I've been probably as busy, you know, as I ever been. You know, I've certainly spent more time away from home than I ever did as an astronaut. So it's a challenge, but I do a lot of things that I enjoy and nice to be able to control your own schedule. And what about you guys' personal preferences when it comes to the future of human space exploration? Is there anything in particular you guys want to see from NASA or from other companies in the future? Well, I've always been, you know, a fan of of going back to the moon. I think there's a lot we can learn from the moon that's going to help us go to Mars someday. And, you know, it's something that always excites me. I think we should just go straight to Mars. Forget about the moon. We've been there. I think more importantly, you know, when we, we transition from one administration to another, I think we need to kind of let NASA kind of continue along the path they're on and not change direction because just waste time and effort and money and it doesn't help us get anywhere at all. But Mark, you want to stick with Mars? Well, no, but you know, I you know, I do agree with Scott that you know, it's it's incredibly important, you know, for our long-term, you know, success as a government agency and you know, to have consistency, you know, and that's something that that's lacking. We often get these wild changes in direction, uh, you know, from either the White House or often from Congress as well. So, you know, consistency from you know, year after year is really important to our space program. So I, I hope as the new administration in the White House, our new president starts to formulate, you know, a plan for NASA, you know, I hope he, uh, I hope they keep in mind that having a goal and a strategic plan and, you know, predictable funding, you know, if we do that, you know, that NASA can accomplish great things. But predictability and being able to execute a long-term plan over time is, is really, I think, really important to our success. Is there anything else you guys would like to add about the twin study or your experience? You know, one of the things that also keeps us, you know, busy is our relationship with Breitling, you know, the, the watch company who I think set up this interview for us, right? <laughs> did you use Breitling watches when you were on the station? Yeah, I did. How are those watches better than other brands? They have really good features and Keep really good time and look really cool. And all the other brands. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to both of you guys today, and we definitely will be on the lookout for your projects moving forward. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Verge Extras on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more from Verge Science, check out theverge.com.